Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Kenneth Young, President and CEO of MedDecision, about the importance of social determinants of health data. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Ken Young, CEO of MedDecision. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, before we start talking about the social determinants of health, I was wondering if you could tell me uh, a little bit about yourself and MedDecision. Sure. You know, before my journey with MedDecision began, I served as a financial executive at large big four accounting firms uh, and then also uh, several high growth multinational companies. Um, My roots began in auditing, so I've always been the type to dig in deep. Uh, I love getting to the heart of new areas, really understanding those opportunities, challenges that present themselves, you know. So that's, you know, a little bit about my background and, and kind of where, where I came from. And yeah, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about MedDecision. What do you guys do? Uh, absolutely. So now at MedDecision, you know, we're advancing the whole person care by unlocking the value of all data types to impact health at the inflection moment. So when it really matters, not 90 days later, you know, that customers are facing uh, those challenges head on. So we really want to unlock the value of digital assets in a most efficient way possible and scalable uh, platform. So by leveraging the data, we optimize the health journeys to personalized care management with both predictive and prescriptive next best actions for health plan members and patients. So I'm I'm, really thrilled to be here today to discuss uh, the topics uh, because strategically leveraging social determinants of health to improve care quality safety and advanced health equity is important to the industry and it's important to every human being uh for that matter okay so you know what are social determinants of health and why are they so important to quality care thank you so the next you know the next frontier in personalized health journeys at scale to improve the quality and safety and care for all americans is to achieve what is critical to understand about the social and economic conditions in which people live work and function every day. Um, our country is experiencing tremendous health disparities that the reality has always existed, but it really has come into light in the national spotlight and discourse for the past last three years or so. When it's the considerably higher rates of maternal matur- mortality and morbidity among women of color, the disproportionate impact of climate change on the health of underserved communities or it's the lack of access to care in poor rural geographical regions. You know, our nation is beyond debating the social determinant. It's, you know, how experiencing homelessness or the inability to get healthy foods all play such an outsized role in the health of an individual and in the communities. Um, how does uh, SDOH data improve the patient experience? So, Really, when you think about the overall patient experience, the World Health Organization itself estimates that anywhere between 50 to 80% of individuals' health is influenced by social determinants. So when you think that impact for that patient experience, by understanding the social determinants of the individuals and population and health plans and health systems can have, first, pinpointing the people and communities at high risk and rising risk of those adverse outcomes caused by social determinants is the first first step first of how data can improve. Secondarily, coordinating that care, uh, that non-clinical care 
across the health ecosystem to members, patients, clinical teams, caregivers, such as families, and in some cases, the unpaid caregivers, such as families and neighbors. So closing those gaps in those non-clinical care by tracking those referrals to make sure the members receive that follow-up care or prescribed medications, for example, if they have access to trans uh, prescription medication risk, is really, really important. Monitoring progress and adjusting those health journeys on real-time insights. So it's not just about the population data, it's about the individualized data, and then getting additional real-time insights that can only be possible by having that appropriate data and analytics to understand what is happening at those health inflection moments for those uh, individuals. Um, what are some challenges that organizations are facing when it comes to using STOH data effectively to improve outcomes? You know, I think the it's important, right? Research from the payments company, uh, it's a company focused on data and insights uh, relative, of course, to payments, but mm -hmm. they illustrate that 82% want a digital health platform for better access to health benefits and 52% want a platform because it will increase care convenience. When you think about those challenges that organizations are facing, it starts with the data. Um, but it's a matter of accessing it in a fragmented and disparate system to establish the comprehensive holistic view of the member and patients is foundational to proving outcomes. What that means is organizing all of that data in an efficient manner to make available for analytics, for care outreach, for coordination of care, et cetera, has been one of the biggest challenges with health. We've tried different industry standards uh, for interoperability, that data interoperability challenges and exists. And I think the, the reality is that many health plans, health systems struggle with a delay to access to that relevant information because it's siloed. It's not flowing to the care managers and care teams. You know, that scenario by itself makes it very difficult to automate and personalize care recommendations and plans for individuals or members to build outreach campaigns for personalized cohorts, uh, such as a health plans members who have a chronic condition or have a set of multiple chronic conditions with SDOH factors, right? It's, you know, they have these disparate siloed data sets. There's not been a simple way to coordinate all of that data into a streamlined, seamless process to leverage and get the value out of all the different data assets. You know, you know, a lot of times they have who has SDOH factors, they have who has uh, the chronic conditions that need outreach, but right. there's not a way to coordinate it together. Yeah, and, and it's just sort of, like you said, it's siloed, so it's kind of multiple sources of data as opposed to one kind of easy to kind of, you know, coordinate everything into one, one area. Um, what uh, what's the benefit of early identification of socioeconomic factors on health outcomes? So it comes down to personalization, prevention, and reduced expenses and cost avoidance by solving knowable problems, right? So by understanding that someone lives in such like a food desert, for example, nutrition will always be an issue. Being either over or under a will always be concerns for that person. So by understanding that there is a rural population that cannot access care without taking time off from work and losing wages while paying to travel to care or paying for parking or paying for more food that day that they would be at home, these are real problems for many, many Americans. And it's one that's leading organizations that are addressing 
by aligning, you know, ride sharing and transportation services such as Uber and Lyft to help facilitate uh, patients and members to get their access to their doctor's visits, their primary care physicians, or access to medications, or even in some cases, uh, food uh, deliveries, right? Because they don't have access to food. Um, By enabling the access to the care in turn, it can drive improved outcomes. Because if you remember, World Health Organization themselves believe that 50 to 80% of the health of a person comes from the non-clinical issues around SDOH. So if we're not addressing these SDOH needs in addition to handling their clinical needs, the quality of their care is not going to improve. Um, these are just a few examples of how understanding yeah. social determinants can be such an incredibly powerful tool. It's not just about ride sharing either. It's you know strategic alignment with community-based organizations. Uh, is an incredibly important model of SDOH. CBOs, uh, as they're as they're referred to, are uniquely positioned to provide a wide range of social services, helping address underlying social needs that impact those health outcomes, which will lead to improved population health. So, as leaders in this industry, you know we sort and acknowledge that the care is delivered within the hospital's four walls or in recommendations by health plans that provide are not always sufficient to keep people healthy. But what we don't necessarily like to talk about that is harder in reality is that both payers and providers look to extend care into the home. There needs to be an even stronger focus on quality and safety. We cannot just spend, uh, send people to an unsafe community, uh, a violent domestic situation with a health app or assortment of devices to operate uh, as if it is safe quality of care. That's a really difficult problem for us to solve. And I don't think it can be addressed without our community-based organizations. We have to get local in how we're addressing so, uh, social determinants. It can't be done at your you know global population levels. Yeah. Uh, um, is telehealth making a difference in terms of, you know, kind of reaching folks in their homes uh, where, you know, in ways that we haven't you know, prior to the pandemic, I suppose. So, you know, I believe telehealth is provided uh, an, an incredible opportunity to extend the reach uh, to certain patients and members that uh, didn't necessarily have access. So I think it's a great opportunity, but you get into other social determinant factors that not everyone has access to broadband, not everyone has right. access to uh, a telephone. Now, 82% or a above 80%, I should say, uh, usually will have a phone, but it may not be, you know, uh, data enabled, right? So there are other factors that go into it, but I do think it's a tool that can be leveraged to help, uh, you know, break down those access barriers. And, you know, computer literacy and, oh, you know, man. English as a second language, you know, <laughs> that kind of, you know, obviously there's lots of challenges there too, right? Without a doubt, you know, I think, you know, as we, you know, as I stressed earlier, I think you have to get local to provide the right care here. And as you break down those barriers, other barriers are going to be surfaced. You know, you talked about, uh, you know, language uh, and things of that nature. And those are just additional things that we will have to continue to, um, you know, continue to break down. You know, we're recognizing that advancing health equity uh, is a member of patient safety issue. We cannot you know, have that at the population level, um, and we will get there. Um, uh, but it's just a matter of, you know, breaking down, you know, and this is how I, going back to my days in auditing, 
you know, you break down, you know, different things into stages, right? You first have to continue to move forward. You can't get paralyzed, but the entire process, right. you have to continue to break down one barrier after another, um, and new barriers may pop up or new challenges or opportunities may, may surface. It's about, you know, methodically going through each one as you go. Would you say that uh, healthcare organizations are up to speed, at least in terms of uh, awareness and willingness to use uh, SDOH data, or is it still kind of a learning curve that they're, you know, I mean, obviously, like, you know, technology hasn't caught up yet or is about to, but, you know, are they kind of, you know, on the right page in terms of actually wanting to use it and, and knowing what to do with it? So there's an absolute acknowledgement to work with the social determinants to advance the quality of care for a patient. The the one challenge we have obviously is in the reimbursement models. Uh, not every model is created the same, reimbursement models created the same. So I spoke with, uh, it was a hosted a round table where we had uh, health plans and health systems and we heard a scenario with a large health system that they are struggling where they have two patients presenting the same, with the same issues, both clinically and social determinant wise. In what instance they can provide transportation rides to get to follow-up visits, which obviously will improve the quality of care for that one person because the reimbursement model works for that one. But then when they move to the next person, because their reimbursement model doesn't support transportation rides, they're unable to provide that quality of care. Uh, the health system in this instance, uh, kudos to them, looked at it as more of a moral issue and decided for themselves to regardless of whether it's reimbursed under one model or not, they're going to provide access to transportation rides for all for all of their patients because it was uh, it was unfair to say that this one person because right. their 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 plan provided reimbursement, this one didn't. So we are causing a disparity of uh, care because of reimbursement model. And I think that is a challenge that we have to understand as a as a industry that we need to look to solve. We should not be um, locking access to care, both clinically and non-clinically, just because of a reimbursement model. When you know it's critically important to right, improve that right. patient's uh, you know, quality of life. I mean, it's, it's not a good look, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's sorry. Not. Yeah. Um, what's, the, uh, what's the best way for healthcare organizations to track and monitor the referral process? So, you know, if you're able to solve, and that's what we do at MedDecision is solve that data challenge up front, the reporting uh, and tracking become a lot easier. You have to solve that upfront data where you unify your, your siloed data into one centralized ability to both report and act upon. Uh, and we do that with our next best actions. But most importantly, by doing that, you can extract the data in real time uh, for, you know, regardless of its native format, these, you know, um, you can achieve the health plans, health systems can use AI to drive digital care management from that uh, ability to orchestrate that information. Uh, and you can add, build tools and adjust those health journeys for personalized and population engagement. And then by doing so, you're able to track in real time the the updates. So it does require coordination of the health system or health plan, you know, SDOH platform to coordinate with the community-based organizations. You have to have that connection to those organizations and, 
you know, we're able to achieve that through, you know, how our platform interrupts between the community-based organizations and or Uber and with the, the helpline. You have to have a connectivity between all of the folks that touch that patient. And by doing so, you're able to close that loop around the referral tracking and you're able to report in real time what's going on with that member, which gets us closer to those health and pleasure <laughs> moments to really improve care. Um, so how long do you think it's going to take for, you know, healthcare organizations to really kind of get the full benefits of SDOH data? I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about the silos and some other issues. Uh, you know, when do you think it's, things are going to really kind of work the way they should? So I think technology is catching up, right? We're we're able to do a lot of things now with data. We're allowed to do everything with, from a platform perspective until the reimbursement models catch up to the technology, uh, I think we're going to be in this kind of in-between state uh, as, it, as it pertains to uh, providing care around SDOH for patients and members. Without the ability to uh, have a unified reimbursement, such as for transportation or access to medications, for example, uh, and working with those communities to get local, I think we're going to, you know, if that's not tied to a unified reimbursement model, I think you're going to have this kind of um, ability where certain populations or areas of the country will have different levels of care than others. And I think that is a challenge that we have to solve before you get kind of uniformity uh, around how social determinants will impact uh, overall patient care. Do you think that's a long-term kind of uh, a journey? I think the reality is that requires a lot of coordination, uh, both across private and public sector, mm -hmm. that I think we are challenged in getting coordinated uh, conversations to happen. Uh, and without that coordination, I think we're going to be in a, a, a state of flux for a bit of time. Yeah, but moving in the right direction. Though. Moving in the right direction. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ken, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. No, I really appreciate it, Jay. Thank you so much for having me today. I uh, really uh, appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with you and your thanks. audience. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much. That wraps up episode 96 of PSQH, the podcast. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again and stay safe.